No. Don't you think that's strange? The wolves? They don't do that. They don't track people. Yeah. Maybe they don't think you're human. So how many of us are there? You ask too many questions. Oh, maybe you don't know either. So what are you doing up here anyway? How do you know that I'm not evaluating you? Episode 226 of Do You Expect to Talk? I'm Mecca, and as always, joined by my fellow co hosts Chris and Dave. How are you both? Good evening, folks. Oh, good to come across you guys. Yeah. <laughs> just come across? Why did I just picture Ricky Gervais doing that staff induction day at the office? <laughs> oh, no, then? No. Cringe. Cringe. <laughs> oh, that was really weird last night. I saw Ricky Gervais. I went to see that George Michael film last night. Yes, how was it? So let's talk uh, really, about re- it. No, re- no, really, really good, but I just want to say Ricky Gervais was all of the talking heads in it. And oh, really? it's, it's really, really good. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, it's worth seeing. If you get a chance, I, I wouldn't necessarily go to cinema to see it, but when you get an opp- opp- opportunity to see George Michael Freedom Uncut, because it covers so much of our lifetime and it covers his battle with Sony, the record label, and all the things that happened to him mentally and his health and everything, it's really good. Um, and it was, it was, it's narrated by him. It's, it sat on a shelf for about four years before they finally decided to put it out because it was the last thing he was working on. Oh, wow. Yeah, so, yeah, that's worth thinking. Anyway, forgetting that, how, yes, how are we? <laughs> um, yeah, it's we're, very hot here in the UK, so we're cooling down. And yeah, we're on strike, so. And we're all on strikes, so can't go anywhere. The train's on strike, BA's on strike. Mm. It's all up in arms. Yeah. Not a nice place at the moment. But yeah, it's, uh, by British standards, it's very, it's hot and stuffy at the moment. And it is mainly the it's fact like, that It's I, like the 70s again. I was just thinking that, you know, I wasn't alive during that time, but I was thinking, hold on a minute. My mother was pregnant with me during a drought, and it's really hot at the moment, and everything's on strike, and we've got inflation about to go into double digits, and <laughs> so you're it like, is it is the 1970s, yeah, you absolutely. just see the three-day week and the blackouts, and, you know, and we'd be there. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. Um, right. So what are we covering tonight? Let's review um, an unexpected film. Did you have all up? Or should we, what are we covering tonight, Becca? Yes, so tonight we are reviewing Born Legacy, starring Jeremy Renner, Rachel Weiss, aka Mrs. Daniel Craig, Ed Norton, Scott Glenn, Stacey Keach, Corey Stoll, Vesovitz from Paddy Constantine and Albert Finney, with a score by James Newton Howard. <laughs> I've got the old information. And still, maybe in extreme ways, it's played over the end credits as it has done for the previous films. Written by Tony Gilroy and Dan Gilroy, and directed by Tony Gilroy, and released in 2012. So I had some wrong information there and down, so I had to correct it on the 
And also starring Matt Damon as Sir Not Appearing in this film. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Sir Not Appearing in this film. You can use my you can use my photo from the porn uh, from um, Goodwill Hunting if you like. Yeah, that does look at all. Or is it from uh, Ripley, perhaps? Yeah, I didn't actually notice the change of um, composer for this. No. James, James Newton Howard worked with Pan Zimmer on the sort of Dark Knight trilogy. Amongst lots of other things, I don't want to do him down. He stepped in at the last minute for Howard. Guy who did the Lord of the Rings was going to do King Kong, and they had a bit of a sort of creative difference, and he stepped in to do that. Uh, he has done. There's a lot of changes, but I did notice um, yeah. cinematography by Robert Ellsworth, who also directed Mission. No, he didn't. He lensed Ghost Protocol and Rogue Nation of Mission Impossible, and also Tomorrow Never Dies, which enjoyed a re release in cinemas recently here in the UK. I'd say Rogue Nation is probably the best looking of the Mission Impossible films. And, and that uh, Ben Affleck and uh, uh, Ben Affleck and uh, Jennifer Lopez film uh, Geely, which I've never seen. I've never seen it, but it arrived. I mean, I it sure arrived pre piss taken, and most people didn't bother. <laughs> and it, wasn't there like a no, there was no press screening or something for it, and that's always a bad sign. Yeah, he also lensed. Um, I'm looking at things I've seen here. I remember talking to Chris about um, watching all sorts of films in my teens and when they were on Channel 4 before film channels <laughs> were going. And I said, yeah, because you're about 13, you're watching to see if you can see a bit of filth or something. And, he did, and he did lens Desert Hearts. I'll let you look that up yourself. <laughs> it was early on in his career. He did Boogie Nights. He did Magnolia. So, uh, he's, yeah, he's Thomas Anderson's, uh, Paul Thomas yes. Anderson's go-to. That's where they look so great. So well. this, There Will Be Blood is an extraordinarily beautiful looking film. Well, so if, if anything, I mean, we, 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 we tried to record this earlier in the week, but due to technical issues, we weren't able to. It's like Dave and I were basically, obviously, the, 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 this is probably going to be quite a short podcast, certainly by our standards, because, you know, this is kind of like a, a Bond film, but without Bond, basically. But great performances and you know it looks beautiful are you, are like you worried it's, are you worried it's going to be too short well um liam gallagher no, was in that george michael film as well yeah so i, I can't go on my thunderbirds <laughs> rant this week All so right. well, yeah and george michael has, has already passed on sadly so we can't bump him off so that's quite good um yeah so we can we can talk well about no that. i'm a bit worried because tony bennett was in it as well oh no and he's 95 <laughs> with dementia so Careful. Oh God. But he's still a legend, though. Yeah. I mean, if any of the listeners are worried about this podcast being a bit of a, a tangent from the film we talk about, well, I think the um, the oh. film itself is a bit of a tangent for, for well, the whole series. It's like <laughs> it's, it, it, it tries to like make up something out of like what's out of nothing new in particular, really. It just sort of yeah. We will get into that. This is screenplay by to- Tony Gilroy. Came on as director. Tony Gilroy, we would also know. I believe he did Rogue One, didn't he? Uh, yeah, I believe so. Did he do Rogue he, One? He, I think. Well, or did he fix Rogue One? Rogue I think, One. Yeah, I think that's the rumor. Really, yeah, Sorry, he, he fixed it. It was Gareth Edwards, but he came in and fixed it. Did he write it though? Yes. He might have, writ, might have wrote um, Rogue One. He directed Michael Clayton, which is a decent George Clooney film. It's not my favourite George Clooney, sort of of his more suit. Up in the Air is probably my favourite of, of his lot, but uh, duplicity. And yeah, he's he's going to be the showrunner for the Cassie and Andal show as well. Uh, the thing I didn't know or I'd forgotten I knew is his brother co-wrote it with him, Dan Gilroy, and that's Mr. René Russo. I don't think mm. I remembered Fun that. Fact. Um, but I think my, my first sort of comment without getting into first thoughts... It, well, no, I will go into first thoughts, but I'll quickly say where I saw it. I saw it on a... 
I think I saw it on something like a Saturday or Sunday morning, and it was one of those sort of C film or show film first. Depend, they've been rebranded over the years, and I managed to get hold of. Now, in my head, I had three free tickets, and I didn't know if you could do that with show film first. So there may be a slight imperfection in the memory here. But I remember it was the same year as The Dark Knight Rises, and I went with Malcolm, who you guys both met at the wedding, and and um, we had opposite feelings. We came out opposite from the two films, in that The Dark Knight Rises, Malcolm came out quite happy, and I was just going, what the fuck was that? Now, I've, I've had a bit more of a nuanced take of it over the years, as we, we reviewed it, and it was a long show, but my first thought before I'd really sat His down... His belief... It was just it's training, it's belief. Yeah, um, but I I was a bit what was that, and that really wasn't the Batman film I wanted. And he enjoyed it, and again, several rewatches. I couldn't tell you what he thinks of it now, but Born the Born Legacy had been absolutely the other way round. He, he he came out like I I came no I came out sort of not quite sure, but it was all right. But I was mo- not the opposite wearing round. I was more like him this time in that we were both a bit, what did we just watch? Jeremy Renner had been in Ghost Protocol the year before and had shown a, a real sort of uh, handiness for hand-to-hand fighting, which at this point, I think the Avengers was out by this point. But again, a lot of that is from distance and, you know, the arrow, bow and arrow and stuff. It wasn't until he made Ghost Protocol that you're like, he's pretty good at the hand-to-hand stuff as well. And so I thought he was all right in it. I thought Rachel Vice was wasted, but she I like her. Um, Little-known film that she was in with Paul Rudd called The Shape of Things. I really, really enjoyed her in. She's been very good in a lot of smaller things. And I, 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 the action had been good, and the sort of visual tie to the previous trilogy had been strong. But this film just stopped. If you almost feel if it if you didn't hear that Moby track, you'd honestly believe they've. And it had all gone digital by then, but it was almost like they were missing a reel. And we'll get into all that in a minute. I I thought the film was incomplete, um, and I didn't love it. But it was okay, and I thought it was promising enough that if you were going to carry on and try and make a series with the Aaron Cross character, this might be all right. Uh, funny that Darren Cross is in this film as well as Aaron Cross because you got the, you <laughs> yeah, got, you got the bad guy like, from Ant Man. Really? Um, the, uh, some general points I'd just make about it at, at the outset, um, both from original viewing and this time, but really hit me this time is the cast is too big and most of them are unused. I've just mentioned the Darren Cross character from Ant Man. Well, that's um, what's the name of the actor? I've to- totally blanked on his name. Uh, he's on here somewhere. I'm just looking at the list of names. Co- uh, Corey's, Corey Stoll. Corey Stoll. His name yeah. I can't pronounce. Um, Stoll. I still think of him first off for his role in the earlier seasons of the American House of Cards because he was really good in that. He's quite a versatile actor. It's not so much that it's just that it's more. It's less that he's got range and more that he works in everything. You know, because um, yeah, he played I a real. Seen decent, him in the bad film. He played a really desolate well, character. He's in a bad film. You know, he's probably going to be the best thing in it. But his character in Ant-Man, his character in House of Cards, his character here, they're all him and they're all really similar. But, you know, he played this right waster in House of Cards. He was trying to put his life right, but he had problems with drinking, women and drugs and everything else. And he just couldn't get ahead of his own failings. And it really worked very well. But he's he's hardly doing anything in this film. He's sort of in the background with things to say. And he was an established character actor by this point. 
Uh, Elizabeth Marfil, who was also in A House of Cards, she played a character called Dunbar, and I, I can't remember where she ended up. She might have been Secretary of State or something. And she's in one scene. And you've got Albert Finney brought back, but again, it's almost in the background, just to go, he's still here, look, Joan it's Allen's been brought back. Yeah, literally a, ca- literally a cameo role. I don't really um, mind Joan Allen and David Stratham being brought back for the sort of connective tissue, but they've wasted her. They they waste Donna Murphy. They Stacey Keach, why is he in this I film? know. It's, you know, a fantastic character actor. It's like he's in it again for a cameo role. I think that's, to be fair, that's like most of most of the cast in this film, like Ed Norton. He's in it for five five minutes. If you add up all the time he's on the screen, it probably comes to more than. He he appears know. to be in it a lot, but actually his scenes are very yeah, short. Yeah, if you add it all up, it's probably like twenty minutes, half an hour, something. I'll like that. give Oscar Isaac a pass because this is pre Lewin inside Lewin Davis, pre Star Wars, pre yeah, it's one of those uh, kind of before uh, he was famous. Pre a most violent year, pre ex machina. He, he was still. I remember some like he was one of those actors who were like at a time I was like, ah, oh, he's he, he's in he's good because he was in that um, Bridget Scott Robin Hood film. And he, I mean, yeah, that's like, John. he did disappear into his role there because I always forget. I, 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 I remember uh, whatever everyone thinks of that film, but I remember like seeing his performance and thought, this this guy's a talent. Yeah, because the he, film's you know, poor. He, he, yeah, exactly. he, play, he plays it. I mean, he play he plays a really good like an interesting different take. Yeah, he's nuanced in a film that isn't that good, and he does disappear into the role because you could be forgiven, forget. You'll never forget his character in it, but you could almost forget it's him. Not a million miles away from what Joaquin Phoenix did in uh, Gladiator, but but a bit better than that, I'd say. But the film itself, I mean, just just on that film, for his appearance, it's difficult for your. It's in one respect easy for your performance to stand out in a bad film, and, and in one respect difficult because easy because everything around you is not that good. And Russell Crowe, I think, did every fucking United Kingdom accent in that film at one but point. He, he, he was Yorkshire at one he? point. He was Irish. He, he, he insulted that guy on the radio for suggesting Irish, but I could fucking hear it. I could hear Irish in his accent. <laughs> he he travelled up and down the country. He was all over the shop. So no, no one came out of that film with a lot of credit. And in fact, it was one of the last films I watched with my dad before he was like terminal. And I went to see Toy Story 3 with him. And the last scene, you know, the, the thing about saying goodbye to things when my terminal father sat next to me, that was a tough watch. But so Prince, uh, so Robin Hood really gave some levity because there was a bit where he jumped. <laughs> he did. There's a bit where Russell Crowe emerges out of the water near the end and roars and we both fell about laughing. Honestly, I've never been closer to falling off a seat in a film. Yeah, she fell off your chair. It was the most me and my. It was most me and Michael. Uh, him had laughed since we went to see Michael Bublé and got really everyone pissed off around us because we were laughing at how cheesy he fucking was. Um, but anyway, um, so he. It, but on the other hand, it's 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 difficult to stand out because the film's crap and you're laughing at the film, or you forget the film if you're bored. And Robin Hood was a strange mixer of both: laugh out loud bad and really it, boring it, it's one of those odd things with the that that Robin Hood film because it was initially going to be start off as an actual interesting concept where Nottingham. like Sheriff, yeah. where Sh- Sheriff Nottingham was actually the good guy yeah and it's like Robin Hood yeah, it's the bad like, guy it was also a take on the classic tale really isn't it and, and then like the sort of the Ridley Scott uh, came on board and tossed everything interesting well, about I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sure if it was Ridley Scott because it was his that's what I've read it was his project to begin with mm. but um I think I heard it was the studio that kept like meddling, making. But it's proof proof that you know even Ridley Scott can't can't transcend a bad script. But um, but yeah, so he he can shoot the shit out of it though. (laughs) Yeah, his films are all beautiful, and Robin Hood's no exception. But um, and the only other character in this, uh, the the guy who's the CEO of the pharmaceutical company, Dennis Boutsikaris, 
he is one of the lawyers in Better Call Saul. Um, oh. So, so lots of good people wasted in this. Elka Ivanek, who we know for as a bad guy in one of the early series of Twenty Four, you know, one and a half scenes really. So, I thought the cast was too large. I thought they didn't have enough to do, and there just wasn't enough story here. I think the two headline observations that I'll probably develop during the film is the pacing is miles off, and it, and it can, it, I think that contributes to making the film feel incomplete. I took two viewings to get through it this time because I watched it. To be fair, I was having a drink as well. Not getting drunk by anything means, but we were chatting and I was just losing concentration. But 50 minutes in, he was still in the sort of mountains, woodland sort of area. 50 minutes into the film, it hasn't really started. So that's a problem. And then we go through quite a perfunctory trace plot. And then they get away, they're on a boat, and you think, right, here we go to whatever Act Three is going to be. And she's like, I wish we could disappear. Credits. And I'm like, really? Nothing's happened. You've run across some um, rooftops and a hot location to sort of remind us that you can do what the Bourne Ultimatum did. And it's just very, very oddly paced. The The other thing I think I would say is it doesn't, do itself any favours trying to almost devalue the Jason Bourne character they refer to Bourne as a first generation agent pre all these chemicals which is a stupid plot anyway if, you, if you're willing to get over the disbelief of that, that plot point of you can viral out and that which will develop as we go through then probably you could get on board with it but I just found it inherently fucking ludicrous and quite a grounded series and you're kind of trying to say this is the next generation and they're way better than that dinosaur born program born was on and i just think the film didn't earn that it tried desperately to to tie into the previous film but it doesn't really it's trying to introduce you're either tying into some sort of continuation of the previous films or you're effectively doing a soft reboot where you introduce us to this new character, try and interest us in him and develop him on from that. And they kind of did neither. They kind of tried to d- d- dial into the Bourne Ultimatum, but they kind of dropped that a little way through. They tried to produce a new interesting character because I think I think he's he's full on like learning difficulties without his chems. But neither are that interesting. And so I just came out... I watched it this time. Second time, when I went through it again, I concentrated a bit better. I got through it. But I can see why this never got a sequel. Yeah. Um, Becca, what's your thoughts? Oh, gosh. Yeah, so I these last two Bond movies, I just skipped when they came out. I didn't... I think I was more excited about Skyfall than, than this film. Um, what do you mean you think I, you were more excited about I think Skyfall? I, well, I'm not, not sure now. I can't remember. Well, this has got bu- this has only this got film. budget, Daniel Craig, in it. <laughs> no, I just I feel like I'm being overly harsh already, and I haven't really said much. Um, yes, yeah, so, yeah. Unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to see the last two Bond films um, in this series, um, so I've waited all these years until now to watch it for this podcast. Um, actually, yeah, we kind of we tried to record this again earlier in the week, but I only got halfway through. Actually, this they were on they were on TV a while ago and I thought oh, I've got this recorded so you know I had this in my arsenal um, but I only kind of got halfway so I kind of wasn't prepared anyway but to be honest on this first watch um, I'm, I'm just going to be honest here I was I mean it looks beautiful great performances um, but in terms of kind of like born and plot and everything I'm sure fans will go up in arms and go no 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 um, but I was just 
board rigid. Um, oh, it's you know really interesting cinematography. Um, it's kind of good to explore um, how how Treadstone, how this project kind of really came to be and the evolution of them. I think the interesting idea of um, you know, trying to change your DNA, your DNA and genetics, one thing or another, and, and so you know, it's, it's always an interesting topic. Um, but I just don't, you do have to suspend your disbelief quite a lot. I mean, I'm sure there's probably something that the, you know, the US government and the, the global governments are working on now with agents in the field. I, I, that's probably a real thing that's happening right now. Um, so there's a cynicism um, and sort of what's the word I'm looking for? I'm clutching at straws, literally. Um, like paranoid kind of thriller. It's got you know, kind of got this kind of Cold War. Um, conspiracy theory kind of vibes running through it um but i was just like yeah it's, i just found it really boring and dull like i i can only apologize um and then like you david you know i kind of thought oh it ended in quite a weird a weird place um and just it had it for me it's one of those films that kind of ended a couple of times a few different endings and i'm like oh okay um so i'm very keen to see how again next week's film um jason Bourne, um i haven't seen so i'm saving it all up especially um, so I'm very keen to see how that, you know, feeds in, um, considering it kind of picks up, you know, with, with the old cast. Um, but for me, it was, you know, like watching a Bond, but without a Bond. So it was a bit like Born Light. Um, although Jeremy Renner is, you know, always very good value. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's brilliant in whatever he does, whether he's Marvel superhero or, you know, crazy secret agent. Or I'd go along with that. Jeremy Renner is not the problem in this film, except Rachel Weisz being there making me think he is a budget, Daniel Craig. No, she. She's Mrs. Daniel Craig, um, but no, she's fantastic. You know, I, I think you know I really rate her quite highly as an actress. She does, uh, you know, above and beyond, she's brilliant. But, you know, whatever she's. In. But again, and and the bit part of this cast as well. You know, you do you don't get Stacey Keach, you know, great American character actor and and theatre actor as well, and have him on on screen for five minutes. You just don't. You, you know, they're wasted, wasted so much wasted talent in this film. Um, but yeah, that's my rant. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, the thing with Rachel Rice, though, it did get me thinking what I occasionally do when I watch um, like these like Hollywood movies is, um, okay, so you've got Rachel Rice, who's a British actress doing American character. Why does she need to be American? You could like she she could easily be like. I, a, I nearly a... I nearly said that out loud during the viewing, but when I watched it properly, I had my wife next to me watching it, and I thought. I, she, I pointed out she was Mrs. Daniel Craig because she really likes Daniel Craig's Bond, uh, my wife. And I, so I pointed out, taste, you know. so I was pointed out that that's his wife. And then when she spoke, I mean she'd already spoken in the film, but the first time she spoke after I said it, I was about to point out she's British though. But then I thought that's just going to start a conversation because I don't think she knows who she is. Mm. So it would probably start that conversation then, which, you know, why is she playing American? And I thought, leave it, I'll tell her another time. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, just before Chris goes into his thing, I, I, when I when I finished mine, just as you were talking, I was thinking, and, and I was listening to what you were saying, but I was also thinking, this is reminding me of something less grounded from the same era. Because the Bourne films are at least attempting to be grounded. Yeah, whether those agents exist in those ways with those skill sets, not the Ken ones, I mean the Bourne Jason version I don't know, but they, they try and play it like a real sort of espionage albeit slightly heightened with greater action and everything else and I'm thinking, there's something about the chems that lead, them, lead me to much sillier high concept films what am I thinking of? and I know what I'm thinking of, I'm thinking of two films, I'm thinking of Lucy 
the um, Scarlett Johansson film. Um, oh gosh, yes. And which I'd almost forgotten. I had to look the name of it up. I had to look up. I had to look up a Wikipedia page to remember the name of the film. I knew it was just her first name in the the character's first name, but I couldn't remember what it was. And the other film is Limitless, which was a Bradley Cooper film. And it's basically the same principle grafted onto an espionage thriller, and that does not work. Yeah, same kind of, it's like mind-altering drugs, isn't it? And yeah. I think with, with, with the Limitless is the kind of thing that he doesn't need anymore. Like, he, he, of course, he takes the tablets and everything. But what, so he, like, remember, he, vi- he virals out, then? Uh, yeah, that's the fun, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, he, he kind of unlocks part of his brain so that he doesn't need, he, you know, doesn't need the drugs anymore. The, the thing is, though, we, we see that in action in like in a film like Limitless we we actually we see like oh well we we see the advantage how it alters the brain chemistry like what one of one of the things in it, and I'll, I'll get I'll, I'll I'll get into my uh, thoughts in a in a minute but the the thing with like the chems and the things like that we we we're, we're told this but we don't actually but what makes him different than born in the first place and then later on they they introduce this 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 other this other agent who they say always oh, off a separate program who's like who's like you know he's he's, he's better than both the both than Treadstone and um, and uh, outcome uh, well, out, out, cool. and, and, and outcome and 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 but we don't know how like in, in what way I mean what they just all good at their job I mean but Bourne was good at his job the the reason that they they sell it yeah and and if you if the chems weren't mentioned. Obviously, whoever would win in a fight would. It's right when they say who would win out of these superheroes, and it's like, well, which superheroes film is it? They'll win. You know, it's like you get it on the Assassin's Creed games. Which assassin's the best? Well, they're all the fucking same. They're just you know, it's like yeah, it's just different it. time, time it, eras. Yeah, it's just, it's you know, there there isn't a better. They've all got the same skill set more or less. But the fact is, um, on the presentation of the character, actually. Damon, if anything's a bit stockier and a bit younger, so he might is he younger? I'm not sure thinking about it now, but the point is um you wouldn't put much between them, so to sell you the whole point about how important these chems are to him and the whole viral and out thing, you get footage of him. Can I stay in your program, please, and he's clearly quite slow. I mean, you still have to reach a certain standard to get into the military, I would have thought. You certainly do in this country. You don't have to be a genius by any means, but mm. they, they don't take... But they paint him a bit special needs, and I say that with no hint of humour or piss-taking, right? Um. And I think, well, if if it's just to bring somebody far below the base level of David Webb as he was when he joined his programme and became Jason Bourne, then... Is this just to widen the pool of candidates so you can go and get special needs people? Bourne is effectively recruited like Daniel Craig's James Bond. Slightly maladjusted, but physically and mentally well, well, well above average. And here it's just a way that they can recruit somebody who's obviously got some sort of physical abilities because he's in the, the forces, but like all, all his mental cognition comes from these drugs. Which means the character's not really him anyway. You know, it, it's like it's like the Red Dwarf episode where like Rimmer does a mind patch. Yeah, it's, that's pretty much it, isn't it? Which means that yeah, we're not connected to the character. I think your heart is meant to be moved when you see the footage of him damaged and like in his uniform and asking if he can stay in the program if he passes. But it doesn't really work I mean, for me. He could yeah. sort of make it if it was like I'll be. He was like someone who was like wounded in combat or damaged in some way in in combat and this is like your second chance almost so that's why he went in into the taking like the chems because it's almost like an experimental vehicle drug 
The Kenzie's anyway. experimental. I mean, just off the top of my head, he was exposed to. This is totally off my head, uh, uh, top of my head. He was exposed to some kind of chemical weapon in Iraq, Afghanistan, wherever it was the character ended up being, and this experimental drug brought him back and actually enhanced him very slightly above the average. You know, the, the pills were better than they thought. Um, and but he has to keep taking him, otherwise either his life or his mobility and health is at risk. I still don't think that's a great idea, and in my defence, it's off the top of my head, but it's better than what we got. I mean, yeah, because to get back to the point, all we really see is like, is the I, I, I need my pills, I need my pills, I need my pills. Yeah. And in in a way that kind of really undermines the your key relationship with. The and halfway thing. through, they, she goes, you don't need those pills, you viraled out on that side. So, the, the, it's 50 minutes plus in the woods. Your, your physical pills, as in like, you know, the ones that make you good at fighting, you don't need. It's, mm. it's the stuff in, in, in your mental ones. Like, yeah. sort of like, well, uh, what? Well, okay. Yeah, Isn't the brain a, a physical organ? It, it, none of that makes sense, but even if you no. went with it... 50 minutes of the film plus... I, I stopped looking at 50 minutes. It might have been another 10 minutes afterwards. I can't remember. But it was at least 50 minutes in that sort of mountains area with the beard and everything else. And then there was the whole Rachel Vice and the uh, you know the house attack and everything else, which is quite well done in a view to a kill kind of way. Um, and then it's... But you viraled out. So we're well over halfway through the film when we're introduced to the concept of he can viral out if they go to the Philippines. They go to the Philippines, one chase, onto a boat done. The whole premise is, is, is so he can get his fix. He's only gone to like Rachel Vice because that's, that's the only person... We, yeah, we, and we're told this like halfway through the film that Oh, like he he knows her from giving giving her the pills before. So there's, there's no prior relationship established before that. It's it it's it's done it's it's done in after the fact. Yeah. And he's just and he's just gone like I I I need I need the pills because you know um, and that's the basis of the whole relationship. Yeah. And it's a bit and and yeah, I, I, it just doesn't work. It it, it it's it's very very thin. They have no chemistry. What he should have done, because Daniel Craig got her into bed, so he should have told her he couldn't find the stationery. Yeah. <laughs> Come up, me look. And she said, Daniel's got away with that one. Because I've always thought Jeremy Renner is Daniel Craig ordered from Wish. You know what I mean? It's, da it's Daniel Craig with his face a bit messed up. Y yeah. So, I don't know. Have you got anything more to add in first thoughts, Chris, really? No, yeah. So, I'll, I'll give my first. So, I remember seeing this as a... I actually saw this in a, as a, a preview, uh, one Ooh. of those sort of things where you sort of see it like a week or a few days before. It actually Did you pay to see it? No, no. Same as me then. I saw the same preview, but down in my part of the country. Yeah, yeah. And I can't remember in what it, in what it was related to. I can't remember, but it was like, yeah, um, it was one of those things where you go and watch a film before it's you know it's released to the general audiences and. Um, I was like, oh, right, cool. And I remember, while I acknowledge, still acknowledge the same problems, which is that it it leans way too much on the previous Bourne film to try and connect itself, where it really didn't need to. Mm. But I generally walked away thinking, yeah, but, you know, 
it's it's okay. The action was pretty decent. You know, it's, you know, had had you had had a good cast. But Edward Norton is a good choice as that evil CIA guy in the control room. He, he, he it's it's the right fit. You know, all that kind of thing. You know, I thought well, you know, what, the the action's pretty good. Um, yeah. Okay, I'm 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 fairly happy with it. I'm not as down as down as most people are saying now. Though I haven't seen it in a while, so when we watched it, uh, oh, not today, previous couple of days ago, I was kind of like in a really kind of yeah. I, I kind of thought yeah, this is kind of abomination, really. Um, and I don't mean it to be mean because I still kind of think you know the cast is good, and I think I almost think like. The, the cast, the crew, you know, um, of all kind of giving its best, but it's a hopeless cause because the whole the film is completely compromised from it, from its concept. I don't know whether they just didn't have enough to go with, so they just had to sort of fill in the blanks from Born Ultimatum. It's never a good well, idea to keep raising the stakes either, is it? Ah, there's this no. whole shadowy thing behind Blackbriar and Treadstone, and they've got super agents with willies that shoot razors. Well, yeah, you, you're going to go yeah. up and up and up, and then you end up with dying at the day, and you've got to you know, dial it back down again, or you end up with Mean Raker, and you've got to do for your eyes only, for example. It's not campy, but it has raised the stakes with No, it earning... just gets bigger and bigger and bigger, it, and you've got to dial it down. It, but it's, 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 I thought it was actually really fucking clunky. Yeah. Like, like the the whole type, like so there's one bit where like you see one one you see a scene from the Born Ultimatum where one character's like going on the phone and say yes, Born's here, but Born's in New York, and then, and Edward Norton picks up the phone as if he's talking to him, and it just reminded me of that. You know when you see like like comic relief, and he interjects like like other other characters like like reacting to like characters from a TV program or a movie mm. or something. Yeah, it kind of felt just like that. Cause that's exactly what it was. It was like Edward Norton picking up a phone, says like says like one line, and like and he's like as if he's reacting to like this this other guy who was from the previous film on on the phone to someone else. And I was like, oh okay, did we really were we really holding your breath? Like, I wonder who he's on the phone to. <laughs> do, you know, yeah. do, you, do you know what I mean? I mean I'm kind of interested to sort of see if they just sort of like retrofitted that or what, but um. It, it just felt really unnecessary that adding like the, the Pamela Landry stuff even like even that it kind of felt like they just completely backtracked the Pamela Landry characters so to say oh the win she had in the last film is for nothing now because now she's getting in trouble I mean it was an uncertain win but again, a bit like the end of the Bourne Ultimatum. Like when I said during the Bourne Ultimatum that I liked them leaving it there because there was an element of hope. They may not mm. chase him. They may have never find out he's still alive. Then you get to Jason Bourne, which I'm still to rewatch, but he never really got that piece. He, he got a life of sorts, but it's it's one eye over the shoulder all the time. And I felt that about Landy. There was always a chance that he'd have a sniper take her out before he's apprehended it might she might always be looking over her shoulder as well but we were left with the hope that she got she just about got away with doing the right thing by the end of that film just in time thank goodness let's hope she finds some peace now for what she's been involved with and they've just wiped it away in a scene it's like how many people have you got working for it and they're like oh we've got like so many of these programs hmm 
and it just feels a bit. It just gets. It just feels like you're stretching this concept a bit too much. It's like it would have made a bit more sense had you just sort of crossed the line with the born thing, and like right, okay, right. I this is like this is after this is like new set of people doing a new set of program. Mm. You know, after you know after everything's all failed. You know, this, you know this this has nothing to do with uh, David's uh, Stratham character or Scott Glenn. You know, this is like. A, a new team of coming up with a new concept, and it all goes same type type of thing happens. You know, Aaron Cross goes, you know, goes AWOL or, or something like that. You know, it's it's a it's you, basically you're doing the similar sort of thing, but it's like oh, well, but new set. Of once characters. you once you use the Born characters and and images of Born and discussion of Born to describe him as a Mark I character and then introduce our new super duper duper agents, I think you're kind of disrespecting the source material. And by the source material, I don't mean the book, I mean the original trilogy Mm. of films. It felt a bit desperate watching it this time. It's like you're really struggling here. You've got a decent and fairly interesting actor in Jeremy Renner. I mean, he's made it to the top without having Mantony idle looks by any stretch of the imagination, mm. and I'm, I'm not calling him ugly or insulting him. But budget Daniel Craig's as far as I'll go because they have some similarity in features. That's all. Um, but um, you know, he's not overly big. He's he's not overly handsome, and he's he, he but he can play leading man. And he's quite interesting. Yeah. I, I really, I haven't loved any of Phase Four, but like I enjoyed him in Hawkeye, um, particularly. And so, you've got a decent actor. You've got a very good actress there. Um, Edward Norton, for the baggage he comes with, is a very, very decent character actor. But you don't have the concept to back it up, and so you're desperately stretching. Well, what if there was something behind them? This sounds like a single brainstorming mm-hmm. session, and almost anything that's been suggested has gone in. Well, what makes him different from Bourne? Uh, they're enhanced, and that's just gone in without any thought at all. And it and it does belong in like a a sort of sci-fi action, and not not an espionage thriller. I don't know. It, it, it... I just, I'm just thinking of like the of things that ideas would have been better. Like why why isn't he just Treadstone and this is the clear up operation and he's just running for his life now? You've only got to, you've only got two options that don't stretch. You've only got a handful of options that don't stress credibility. And without having thought of them before this moment, I can't promise they won't be shit. This is just again mm. just off the top of my head. Off the top of my head, you can almost treat it like um, Star Wars treats post Order sixty six. So there are still Treadstone operatives out there that they are trying to track down because they'll never be safe until they're all accounted for and we follow another one. You do, you follow, uh, or you do a kind of proper version of them. Like you say, they followed on with a program. Treadstone was a mistake, but this is it done right. And you effectively get an American James Bond series, but with a Treadstone type agent. Yeah, that's the only way to do it I can think of that's the only two ways to do it I can think of this is the third way but it fundamentally insults the original way of doing it now had they written the film really well paced it really well had some proper chemistry and reasoning for those two to be together because um, even at the end when she says I'd like to get lost it cuts to a wider shot of them just chatting at the table mm. and you, you can't honestly say with your hand on your heart that's going to be a romantic relationship it's almost like that they could just be like friends and colleagues or whatever. If you fixed all that, 
and you still had that elephant in the room of the chems and the slightly sort of desperate spin-off feel but you go but the film was interesting and the character was interesting i could go with this for a few more it would never be the the matt damon trilogy but i could go with this so it was it was tenuous to start with but the execution just made it insupportable to me um what i will say just quickly though is the film did okay it did it did in the 270s uh, the first film did 214 second film did 290 something like that so it's a solid hit it's not as strong as it's not as strong as the two the, at this point two greengrass films and it won't be as strong as jason bourne um so it grosses fourth out of the fifth but it's very close to the third out of the fifth and with a new character and new idea and a bit of a stretch it's that's not so bad oh, what's amazing this is a longer one as well I had to look because I, I, like I say, I got to a point where I'm like, I can't believe they're still in the woods. I don't remember this section of the film, which is almost pre-story setup, mm. lasting so long. Coming up related and at the end of the show. I looked it up, and I'm suddenly like, okay, it is a bit longer than the others, so maybe this can carry a bit more exposition. But yeah, it is. It's the, got it's like one of the longest, not pre-titles, but kind of like the sort of preambles, I think, in the series. But it's got to be the longest. But again, I've not seen. Yeah, Jason I think it probably is the series. longest. Yeah, absolutely. Should we discuss this film sequentially, folks? Okay, so we basically... Uh, Spend six... the first hour in the woods. <laughs> so we, we don't see Jason Bourne in New York. We no. see We see um, uh, Aaron Cross, who's in Alaska. Yeah, uh, I think what, we're, what we'll find out over time is, is he's done something wrong in terms of this is a punishment. He's got a meet. He's a member of Operation Outcome. So this is Outcome, Treadscone, Blackbriar, all flavours of the same thing. And he's got a number rather than a code. Well, he has got a code name. That's the annoying thing as well. I don't know why they put in this code number business. Because he's called by his code number for the CHEMS programme. But he's got a code name as well. And like it's very with, confusing. Well, like with the whole James Bond as a code name thing, it doesn't work because his his code is 007. James Bond's his actual name. The last thing with Bond, Bond was actually uh, like a a different name. It wasn't actually his actual name. Yeah, but they didn't say you are uh, Agent G as well, did they? No. That's what I'm saying. The but, co- the cover they, is the name. Still, it could still like hold like the idea like yeah, well this is still Jason Bourne because Jason Bourne is like a cover name. So completely different character, but his name's but he's Jason You could Bourne. go down the path of we've only got nine active agents at any one time and they've got either masculine or feminine versions of these nine names. Hmm. I don't think it's a great idea, but you could go with it. But the two different codes. But again, like you say, the introducing of him having a code that is the only way Rachel Weiss knows him distances the two of them from having any kind of connection. So it's actually unhelpful. Uh, but he's, he's, it's a training exercise. He's got to sort of trek across the mountains to get to this cabin. Uh, and he takes a shortcut and gets there. And basically Oscar Isaac, who's number three, is already there. Before he was famous. Yeah. Yeah, sipping on, sipping on some tea. Yeah. And so we get into he's lost his chems and... Mm. Um, blood work and all the rest of it that's got to be sent back to outcome by drone well a drone was quite interesting though i mean it's kind of it's one of those things where you know it's starting to be picked up by sort of various companies it's still they're kind of a little bit controversial um, yeah, but they waste too long like working out the drone to send it back it's like they might as well have gone outside of i was thinking of mary poppins let's go fly a kite 
Yeah, it's a little bit like that. If I drone. But yeah, he took a shortcut because he lost his chems, pursued by wolves. The the chems only last a certain number of days, which is the film's attempt to build a ticking, a constant ticking clock into the storyline, which is normally a lazy plot device. Well, we we don't see the effects of it, though. We never see the effects of it. We only see the effects of of the actual viral when it's becoming embedded permanently, which is just sickness. What we, we we need, I see, it's a dodgy ground with the way the world is now, and like able-bodied playing not able-bodied, and all the debates around that. If you suddenly had him like regressing to, I don't even know the PC way to describe it. We'll, we'll just say special needs for now. I don't know mm-hmm. how I don't know how that would play. Learning disabilities is probably the better way. If the film hints he's got learning disabilities. Additional needs. Let's say additional needs. We tr- we work quite for non fairly non PC people. We work really hard to be PC because we don't really want to offend. Anyone. <laughs> we don't really offend people. Not really because there's no need. And if I ever use the wrong term for something, it's like it's not intentional. No, yeah, we, we don't mean any of it. So we've all got experience amongst ourselves of, of similar things. And, so. and there are terms I would I've used early in the life of this podcast I wouldn't use now. Uh, like the way I described the writers of Die Another Day. Um, but anyway, po- the point is, um, I don't know if if uh, Jeremy Renner playing that would play well even ten years ago. But you're right, we need to see something. Why not do it the other way round? Why not do it his physical advantages don't don't log in and he's actually got mild disabilities or something. It, it's really difficult. But yeah, that, so we've got this uh, you know thing and They've got a sense. Well, same like, as anything, he could crash, couldn't he? And then, so it's like he has to keep on top of it. Yeah. Well, it's the same as like in any sort of medication, really. You've got to keep going. Really. Well, well, his you, body was well, shook Show down, us the army. pain when he crashes rather than when he virals. Just do it that way. Just do. The pain is unbearable. The body sweats. The body temperature goes up to a dangerous mm-hmm. degree. Anything like that. In you know, in uh, extreme examples, we've even known uh, patients slip into a coma or lose their life with it. It's very rare, but it is a real dis- it is a real difficulty. Yeah, it's a real problem. Anything like that. So, it's all about... The... So, then I think yeah. we do cut to the events of the Bourne Ultimatum. Don't we? Pretty much. Uh, so, we basically get a few, like... I mean, I kind of feel like a third of this film is basically bits of the Bourne Ultimatum. Really? It's all in the... Most of it's in the first bit, though, with a little reprise yeah. at the end. But what's the point uh, here? The point here is that Pamela Landy has exposed all their dirty secrets. Um, now, when Treadstone's, some of Treadstone's dirty secrets threatened to come out, you had Brian Cox say, ah, oh, well, that doesn't exist anymore. We've shut it down. Here's this new one, Black Rock. Here's a new project instead. Well, just do that. You know what I mean? But anyway, what they do is they, call, they end up calling, like, um, Ed Norton's character, and he's sort of he's overseeing all these clandestine operations mm. and he's now desperately got to shut all of this down locking the stable door after the horse is bolted it's been faxed out it's already out there what good's this going to do so i think yeah, it was, off. so the reason is they so they already have like this outcome but because um albert finney's character has been sort of sh- like shared <laughs> on youtube i've been talking about um with the connect so I can't maybe talk about outcome or connection with someone from outcome, like giving like a speech. Yeah, they need to show. Oh, I see. Outcome gets mentioned as well as a leak, and mm. that is a retrofit. They've got Albert Finney in to do some of that. 
And basically, yes, you're absolutely right. It's now we've got a shot outcome because it's the only remaining strand. Yeah. Apart from this other one we'll send in later. <laughs> <sighs> right, okay. What we've got now is basically uh, a- agents or overseers, I guess handlers of these people, cues of this world, I suppose, go out and meet all of the agents out in the field and they say, those green pills you take for your physical needs and blue ones you take for your mental needs, I think that's the right way around. No, pres- listen clearly, 007. Mm. <laughs> yeah. you, you take this pill. <laughs> yeah, and they basically say, don't need this anymore, we're, we're, we've got it in a single pill and here it is, and what they actually do is poison them all. I kind of thought like it was a bit like the Matrix, you know, you've got the green pill, no you haven't, you've got the red pill or the blue pill, <laughs> that's what it reminded me of, obviously Bond as well. One guy um, collapses and I, I looked really quickly and I thought, is this Fisherman's Wharf or something? I'm just thinking there are a few uh, Bond references in this, but it, yeah, was, it wasn't Yeah, quite a few, yeah. it could have been a story kid, there you go, when these, like the Zorin uh, origin story. So, um, they're basically killing them all off and they realise that they've got these two agents out at the cabin in Alaska or wherever it is, so they send a drone out to bomb it. In the tundra. They manage to kill number three, but Jason Bourne... Uh, Jason Bourne. Freudian <laughs> slip. Aaron Cross... It's bit, yeah, it's basically like... They could have just called this Cross or Aaron Cross and this is like people... Audiences would be like, huh? Um, what is this? But he gets away by, you know what does he do he covers up the the tracker appears to be in their hip they're all wearing trackers smart blood i was gonna say that bond like like the previous film bond vibes all over this one and then once we get into um you know the the, the motorbike chase scene you're kind of getting like golden um toilet of dice vibes golden gun vibes all the bond vibes so he covers his hip with like a metal plate just to sort of block the signal and then eventually he puts it on like a wolf surely he could leave it on the floor and they go well he hasn't moved for a while but he, yeah, he captures a wolf and puts it on there, and he gets away. Yeah, not before shooting down a, a drone. Shooting down a drone. But they do believe at this point that Cross is dead, and all the other agents have been killed, and he heads towards Maryland, where the lab is located. Yeah, yeah. so uh, obviously so they've got like the um, where they do the chems, mm. so anyone who's like involved in that. And one of the, um, one of the employees... Decides to go crazy and start shooting everyone. And the film never satisfactorily um, explains that. It, it appears to be. The film hints correctly, I think, that it was a mole uh, placed in there to kill off anyone who knows about the program. We've got to kill off the agents, of course, we've got to kill off the doctors. Mm. But then they implied that they wound him up and messed with his head, and it's like, well, that's not predictable as a process. He does. He does seem to have like a bit of a brainwashed kind of way of when he's doing when he's doing the shooting. Could be told better though. Yeah, it, it, it's it's never explained. It's just like it, it's it just goes a, a bit. Thing. It's a bit like Naked Gun. I must kill the queen. <laughs> yeah. And um, yeah, so I mean, the scene in itself is is pretty grim in a good way. Yeah, and uh, so Rachel Vice climbs up the satellite and escapes Seven Eye. Yes, yeah, it's basically Goldeneye, isn't it? Yeah, as, as you said, Chris, I had to ventilate someone. <laughs> it is a little bit like that. All kind of the Bond vibes. Like, like you know, last week it was basically a rip-off of Quantum and various well, it wasn't, films. it came before but, Quantum, but, but yeah. No, my, it, it my did. A rip-off of a film that's never been seen quantum. or made. 
Because uh, yes. it's a bit like it's a bit the way like, like the way Dial M for Murder ripped off a perfect murder from twenty five years later. Yeah, it's all into the future. You know, <laughs> yeah. it, it goes with this crystal ball and said, like, oh. But no, obviously, you know, they they're kind of made obviously in, in separate times. Um, but you know, it's, it's the same. You know, as, as we said at the, at the top of this retrospective review series, there's going to be a bit of overlap between like Bourne, Casino Royale, for example. I mean, they're coming from they're coming from a similar place. You can chart that through a line all the way back to. Well, all the way back to, to Bond and all the kind of you know spy series of, of sort of 50s and 60s, um, right through to the detective era, maybe of like 30s and 40s, you know, um, from noir sort of going. We should have had a lengthy there. scene of him eating scrambled eggs. This is it, and, and drinking some really nice champagne, yeah. or how to have black coffee. Um, okay. Was it green figs, coffee very black, uh, yogurt? That's the one. I, I don't know what he's. Lo- I think he's looking for Kebs basically, and he just manages to find this character whose name I need to look up every time. It's someone like Marta. I need to look it up every time. It's such a forgettable character it's, it's, for it's such a great those, actress. It's one of those films where, like, you, you don't know what any what everyone's called. It's mm. like obviously you've got um, <laughs> Cross, and, yeah. you know. But it's just like you, you have to kind of really work to find out what these people are called if you don't. You got to pay attention. Yeah. So. Yeah. And it's you know it's not it's not one of those films where you're going to have like alliterative names or you know something that's quite easily remembered. Yeah, she, um, she, 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 she should be she should be called like Busty Strummings or something. <laughs> It's good thighs. <laughs> so yeah, basically, uh, four agents, we uh, four well, they people turn up at her home, talking about basically trying to see she's all right and keep her safe. And it turns out to be four assassins. Why does it take four assassins to come to kill a doctor? She's not an agent. Why do you need four assassins? That's like how many you know how many. XYZ, does it take change they don't ball? succeed because Aaron Cross was there, but well, yeah, well, he's, he's, he's hiding in the closet. Yeah, but they didn't know that. <laughs> um, they thought he was no, dead. No, no, I should. I see. I think the reason is is probably just to. Cause the, it's not just a straight up like hit. It, it, it's like we have to make it look like a suicide. And I think it's just like I, you know. I, I mean, yeah, you probably don't need. And you, and, you, and, you got, and you got another. It is a bit like sending in the National Guard because there's a shoplifter. <laughs> what are you doing? All right, okay. So anyway, but this is to give him like some wicked action. To do. Yeah. So he saves her, and then he like loses his stationery and they make love. That's what should happen, <laughs> but it doesn't. Yeah, I mean, um, what's the, so what's the deal with the house? It's kind of like an old kind of. The crepid house, though, isn't it? Or well, they were probably mining in the San Andreas Fault. If it is yeah. a few to a kill. So anyway, um, I don't know what the deal with the house is. I mean, she's a, she's a researcher, but like she said, I don't know if she's a professor or a doctor. I forget now. It seems to be a but, bit of a sort of not a halfway house, but it seems to be kind of almost like sort of a dilapidated holiday home or something. If you like want to make money. Does she really live there? As, as a sort of academic like that, you need to like be published. And she pointedly says to him at some point, "This program took a lot for me. I couldn't. I had to be secret about what I was doing, and I couldn't publish works." No. So, but then it was government contract. It might have been well paid. I don't know. The film is not interested in any of this. She's got when with these things with home invasions, you tend to need quite a big home to give lots of different people places to hide and different rooms to go in out of. You don't tend to like have a home invasion in a studio flat. <laughs> No, that's something we haven't seen before. But the film does nothing about this. She lives in quite a nice place. Maryland has got... I've not been there, but it's quite a nice state, apparently. And I think you've been there, Becca. Passed through it on, almost on a tour. Yeah, so anyway, um, the point is, 
they drive off and we are almost at the end of the functional plot of this film right he's only just met her they drive off he talks about needing chems she's asked what he took and when he took it and when she mentions the green when he mentions the green one she says you don't need those you viraled off it's possible to viral off them yes well can i viral off the blue one theoretically yes where would we need to go to do that the answer is the philippines and that well, is at least you get to travel in this film you know it's basically like a bond film you get to travel the world for the price of a cinema ticket well not really not really because it's alaska maryland and the, the philippines that's it yeah places that i wouldn't go to otherwise yeah all right so all right the point is though chris is there much more functional plot in this film after what i've just said uh, well, I'm hmm. not saying nothing happens I'm saying just after he meets him we get the last bit of information we need they are clearly going to find that they've gone to the Philippines uh, the, the, the one bit of the film I do like is if you remember into, uh, The World Is Not Enough he gets on a plane and then he cuts up his like Universal Exports card to like copy it as something make it somebody else's mm-hmm. uh, or to make the other person's card his and the the version of this in this film is much better thought through and high tech. I will say that. But effectively, as soon as she says it's in the Philippines, they're going to go have to go there to attempt to viral him out. They're going to find he's gone there and chase him. And that's going to be it. I think the film has gone from a brief outline of why they need to chase them that is stretched over 50 minutes. Him, a brief action scene, him getting to her, saving her, and then him describing what the last sort of hour of the film's going to be. That's it. It's thin, to say the least. Well, she basically go, goes with him because, like, what else is she going to do? Because they're going to get him. They're, they're going to get her. Uh, and he needs a... a... And, he, and he needs an age-appropriate love interest. Yeah. Um, and I mean, what if bit... he'd got there and... What if he'd got to the, her house and it had actually been, like, Dr. Kaufman? Do you know what I mean? It's like this awkward bromance across the Far East. Oh, amazing! Oh my God, I think that would have really given this film a shot in the arm. Well, that that would have been a buddy movie to be seen, wouldn't it? Like, yeah. yes. Oh my gosh, I take my money. I would pay to see that film. I mean, I, I think he was dead by then. He, uh, he was, yeah. Uh, it's a fantasy film, you know. Um, we'll go to the Philippines, but after we've gone to the drugs, after we've got the drugs, we'll head straight to uh, Stuttgart because I can shoot anyone from there. <laughs> the thing is, though, like the, the, these, the board with the Bourne films has a lot of like um, people on on like in, in centre rooms with, watching screams, sort of like sort of shouting at people on, on computers saying, "Find him, man! You know, where yeah. where's I need names, I need dates." It, it gets silly in the it gets silly in the next film because uh, Paul Greengrass by this point was in his sixties and getting a bit out of touch with tech, and it was almost getting to the point where they they'd have a picture made of one pixel and enhance it to perfect. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Although I have a question about all these guys sat behind computers. Yeah. These rooms are always so dark. <laughs> Why don't they turn the lights on? Because it's moody and they're bad guys. I know. I know. They should sit round a kitchen table having an amiable chat about it over a pint of mild. Yeah, I mean, I've got a big lamp on, but yeah, I just, obviously, I know I do appreciate his mood lighting together, but I thought, why do you stick a lot, you know? I mean, the reality is that they'll they'll be in their uh, kitchen table, like, on a laptop, like, sort of talking about it over Zoom. They'll be like, oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) I'd be like the complete antithesis of this, oh my god. 
Yeah. What do you mean I've got to come in? Have you seen the price of fuel? <laughs> yeah. Let's get a flight to the Philippines. It's cancelled. Uh, that that that's basically that's the that's the born legacy made in 2022. Literally. Yeah. Oh, I can't come in. I can't pick the kids off. Like, <laughs> <laughs> he's never ever trying. Enhance the picture. Like I can't tell who that is. They're wearing a mask. So they head off to Manila. How they do it is neither here nor there. There's a bit of tension about them getting across the um, borders and everything else, but they do. Mm. And basically, they viral him out, and I don't feel the need to say a vast amount about this. The, the only, um, the only tension in it is, of course, that he's slightly incapacitated while he's viraling out because he's mm. unwell. And of course, they find him, but they, well, they find them, uh, and so they're like, they're, and they, they send they another faceless soldier, yeah, to get him. I have never understood this. It's like sending one Terminator back. There's always like the thing with the with the Bourne films. It's always like uh, another. It's always has to be like an agent he has to go up against. So uh, so. Uh, but again, that's in, getting tired by film four. Well, it's it's just like a trope now, isn't it? It's like it's it's thing you, that has to be done, and this is like kind of like a a, a chase scene essentially, on a, but on a bike. And I don't think because the, the chase scene is in various bits and there's a bit across you know roofs and running which is very like Bourne Ultimatum so A it's repeating mm. itself so I think it's largely that it largely because it's the film I've seen a little bit more often and my favourite film series I've, I've, I can't help but think of Quantum every time I see a scene like that although I do describe it more as Bourne action than anything else um, but I remember being bored um and nothing was functionally wrong with the scene. The action Apart was... Apart from fruit. Yeah, we'll come back to that. Home, fruit corner has returned. Chris, we'll come back to that, because I think that deserves a bit of its own slot. But I think the the point is, I noticed the shaky cam was a little bit less than the green grass versions. There were a couple yeah. of shots that shook, shook a bit. And it was all well established, and I had a very it good... It tried to kind of, really early on in the film, tried to cut you up, but I thought it, it tried to kind of... another really disappointing thing about this film for me is that they tried to regain some of that really early kind of almost documentarian style um, cinematography as you know you saw in the earlier films but it just didn't quite didn't quite get there for me unfortunately I didn't have a problem with it because again Shaky Cam was well out was going out of vogue quite severely by 2012 I think Quantum was already testing people it was already on its way out yeah, wasn't it it so. was Bond is always slightly behind you know that was Shaky Cam to the extreme nobody knew what was but, going on but it functionally it was well shot because I was glad that it moved away from shaky cam it was an attractive film Renner is convincing on the action uh, they've given Rachel Vice things to do in this scene um, and put her in a bit of danger as well he's very sensible in what he's saying about where she should go and what she should do I've got a very good idea of the geography as well the film establishes where he is relative to the bad guy and Rachel Vice. And yet, I, I remember the shot. I mean, I'm not going to describe it, but I even remember the shot I thought it on. He, he leapt from one bit to another, and I just thought, I'm bored by this. And I don't know if it's the film's fault, or the fact that it's film four in the series, or that we the film hasn't done enough to make us care about these people yet, or what. Probably a combination of all the above. I was really bored. But I didn't think it was bad. You know, it was, if you'd have stopped the film now at that point and said, "Would you be happy to watch more of these?" I'd have said, "Yeah, you know, this thing's wrong with it. I could do with a better script, whatever." But it, it's because it, it's it's because like the the you got decent enough talent behind it, and the problems with, with that is uh, is that it's leaning way too much into like the previous movies. It's trying to attach itself and trying to make it all like part of one story where it really doesn't need to. It just doesn't needs need to, to be, be telling. It just needs to be telling a new story, but. 
in the same universe. Doesn't he have to be in the same universe, of course? But but you can really, do that. if he really wants to, he, he, you know. And it fine, might be but... the, the the thing of me saying like I was always happy with the the concept of a sequel. That speaks to what you just said, though. There's top level talent in this. You know, pe- people like Renner are good. You know, they they've been decent writers. In fact, we know Tony Gilroy can write scripts. Mm-hmm. Um, we know that you know that it will attract a decent standard of actor because everyone in this film is like pretty top notch. Mm. And it's frustrating because we can actually see, like like you said, like the action's good. Like it actually it, it looks like it's completely made, but it's just. And I, I've had this with other films, and I, I can't, I can't. I, there have been examples, and I've probably said them on this show before, and I've certainly said it on summer reviews when we've got to certain films where I've been lukewarm on a film, but I've said to you, I could guarantee the sequel will be better though. And I, and I, you, you see that on Every films. Dip in the series. I, I just sometimes the first entry you can go well. The constituent parts you're putting together are pretty good here. There's talented people in in working on this. Um, I, I quite like this and that and the other about it, but I just think like it's it's more opened up now. Now you've done the origin, the, the sequel could actually be something a bit special. Mm. And I would have said that about several summer films we've done in the past. I I I thought it most recently about Battle Angel Alita, um, which I thought was a deeply deeply average film, but you could make good films in that universe quite easily. There's so many production errors, production errors, production problems in that film. Oh my gosh, it was amazingly realised. And it was another yeah. film that finished in a really strange place. You had, funnily enough, Edward Norton at the end of that film, and it was like, oh, here we go, and then it was like credits it's true of a lot of films and I think that's true of The Bourne Legacy that I was actively not thinking it was that good actively thinking I should care more at this point I know I've got third act action problems but we're still in act two really the film doesn't really have an act three it just ends unceremoniously well it doesn't I mean act one is him getting back the act two is him picking her up I suppose you would they would say act three is Manila but it's just it, it just doesn't feel like a third act it feels like an extended second act but um, I, I didn't care, so I was always happy that, like, yeah, if you want to make sequels to this, it's fine. Obviously, I prefer Matt Damon, but that's that's fine. Um, but I still came out going, this is a bit shit. The action obviously finishes with, well, what does it finish? How does it finish? Uh, in a fruit corner. Chris's <laughs> fruity corner. <laughs> yeah. Um, so th- there's extended chase with the police and the other agent on a bike, and. Um, and Aaron Cross manages to uh, um, sort of get the Emmy agent to um, crash into a, a fruit store. And, uh, and I saw it, I thought, that packed a punch. Yeah, you could a make some punch. punch out of it, you see. But also, <laughs> but the film, we're trying to promote healthy living here on this show, apart from Bourbons, of course. See, they, if, it, if he'd been desperate to get to Manila for a packet of Bourbons, I think that would have been, I'd have understood that. But fruit's good for you. He should he should have immediately eaten some oranges and that and been better. Yeah. But there you go. So he dies. He dies like yeah, in a pillar, and that's it. And yeah. Then basically, he sort of she cry, crashes his boat in. Uh, well, yeah, he crashes into a pillar, killed instantly, and then like she guides it into a slide to sort of stop themselves because he passes out because he has been like injured, yeah. and they sort of get onto a boat. And he hands a gold watch he's found. They're, they're trying to make a motif of time because the the film's not very good at the ticking clock. 
it's it's supposed to be before he virals that like I've only got thirty eight minutes till I crash or whatever. Oh, oh, so is that that watch meant to be like a, a like signifies? No, I've only just thought of it, Chris. Because when he when he saves her at the house, he's immediately like, I need that watch. I need that watch. It's meant to be that he's constantly looking at time because these pills only really last hours or days at most. That's even not clear because he's lost his chems, walked two days across like a mountain ridge, and they still hadn't quite worn off. But anyway, um, the the watch is meant to be like, I viraled out, I don't need a watch anymore. And it's the watch they've taken from the factory where the pills are made. So it's meant to be mm-hmm. like the world's now his oyster. But they sit down, and of course, because I didn't pick up the symbolism of the watch, I thought, I thought, right, where are they going now? Are they finding a way to head back and sort of sort Norton out? And like, it, she's like, I'd like to get lost, and he's like, all right then, and he puts a map, puts the map he was looking at away, and that's it. That's the end of the film. Key Moby music. Yeah. And you could feel. You don't get many visceral reactions in British cinemas. I mean, obviously, if something's funny, the screening laughs at it. If you know this, I'm just saying that I, I, I've said this before. We read about American screenings where our, our 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 audience was cheering and whooping, and I'm like, British audiences don't do that. You don't struggle to hear dialogue because people have decided to shout out like it's fucking golf, mm. you the man or something. British audiences aren't like that, and I think it would do my fucking um, head. Unless in. it unless it's like the King's Speech where people start applauding, but. But you did get, uh, yeah, that was ridiculous. But it, and any idea that that happens is not true. But sometimes you can get. I've only noticed two audible reactions. One was when Yoda got his light his saber out in Episode Two because that was a shock because he'd been a puppet in the previous film. And the other one was when Bond caught up the plane in Gold Nine, climbed inside, and the audience, it was a Scouse audience, you know, and they're quite talkative people anyway. And you just heard, "Fuck off." You can tell you haven't been to any of the screenings at Prince Charles in London because they have been very vocal. Oh my gosh! Yeah, but yeah, but yeah, but yeah, but those are the type of people who go to watch screens of the room and then throw no, like spoons. I was going to say these like, these are people that have travelled hundreds of miles to watch a Bond film they've got at home. Says the man who drove <laughs> all the way up to Becca to watch one about five years ago. To be fair. And also to you know to meet legends. And I'm not. I'm not knocking it. I'm saying you've got the diehard fans there, and that you're probably you more likely. And there are... even though I've been there a few times, luckily to see, you know, classic movies or sort of like you know black and white films from from the 40s and 50s, for example. Mm. And I mean they're not not raucous or anything. Obviously diehard fans who've been like oh, cheering it and you know laughing raucously. Um, but even you know yeah, but it's, it's audible reaction to people talking to the screen, you know, and where and exactly. where and where Red, <gasps> but, and where Red Butler yeah. said, frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. We were all <laughs> like, finger a red. Yeah, it's one of those things. It doesn't kind of warrant a, a big. What know, I was going to say though is, you do very occasionally feel the mood of the room. Is that fair to say? Yeah. Um, and when the when the credits start start started, you could feel confusion. You could feel like. Well, is that it? And you feel it without anyone saying anything. You you then see it because as you leave the room, you start seeing people like looking at each other and everything. But I could feel it from behind me because I, I because these seats were freebies. I never sit near the front, but I do remember I was in the biggest screen of that cinema and I was sat nearer the front because it was like first come first served. And I just remember feeling this air of confusion when the credits went up. Strangely, it didn't make me hate it. It just made me go, they've not made a complete film there. And I think they're a bit confused about what they want to do with quite a promising actor. 
because bear in mind the Avengers had only come out a month or two before he still wasn't he, he, he was still only just becoming a big hitter in the MCU um, I mean his best known film pre all that was probably The Hurt Locker wasn't it? I think so yeah, yeah um, this, this was obviously that, that kind of time before everything blew up yeah so. I'll, I'll just do my final thoughts. I, I really don't have a lot to, to add, and I want to hear more from you guys. But I think yeah, that's it, really. Yeah, because this is um, the same year as Avengers, though, wasn't it? It is, but Avengers came it out was, like yeah. end of April, beginning of May, and I think this might have been July or August. So yeah. we'd already yeah. seen it. Was, it was Avengers. a big year, sort of culture, didn't it? Because obviously we had this, we had Skyfall later on in the year. Mm. Um, we had the, the Jubilee as well. Um, had the Olympics. Obviously, the Olympics. The as London well. yes, Olympics. That was, that was a massive event. You have Olympics every four years, but we're talking about the Olympics in our country for those yeah, listening. Yeah, not yeah, from yeah, London Olympics, which was a huge deal. Yeah. Um, but it was just you know one of these really massive years, just packed to the brim with all these kind of really pop culture moments. And it could have been um, it could have been worse because quite a few films were. It just kind of went went you know, by the wayside, really. I mean, like Man of Steel was meant to be 2012, and it was delayed. And there are others I can't think of right now that ended up coming out the following year. I honestly, I remember about two years before 2012, looking at what was slated and going, "That's the year I explode." There were just too many films there. There's just too many films coming out. No, exactly. I think that's kind of Dark Knight Rises was this year as well. That was it, of course. Well, I think that there are arguments for that other film kind of being slated, slated, being moved further along um, in the um, on the slate, um, just because it would have had to go up, go you know, go head to head with like the Avengers and Bond. Um, and other things like that, and I just kind of thought, well, you're not going to compete really. So, but I just think what what they've made here, I can see why people were keen to see it because Renner's star was on the rise, definitely. The Bourne films have been critically lauded, and yes, it wasn't green grass, but everyone sort of was under the pressure, impression from because we know how writers crediting is a bit of an awkward, shady business. Everyone thought. Gilroy had written all of the previous three, so it was a yeah, yeah it it was a bit like it, it may not be the same, but it may give us our fix of sort of this harder edge, really good action, um, and and what they've produced is a film that does some of the constituent parts very right in that the Bourne films have generally casted well. This is no exception. It's a little bit on the nose in some places because Stacy Keach at the age he was here is a shady looking character, but you know they, they've bought. They've got some of the best available talent. The action is well shot. The locations are well sourced. They haven't skimped on money visibly on this film. And they've at least got some ideas in it. But the end result is a film that's pacing is all over the place. is reaching to extend the universe using a plot device that belongs in like a Luke Besson sci-fi film, not in this. You know, it, and... And then, having got the film underway, they do nothing to make a real connection between the leads. Although they've both got a humanity about them in their eyes. So you can imagine them caring about each other, but not not to any great degree. And then, just as you think the film's, like, really found its feet, it finishes. And so, you walk out, if you're feeling uh, uncharitable, and just judging what's in front of you... um, you'd walk out saying, I think Bourne's jumped the shark here. I think that's the end of this series. If you're feeling more charitable and understanding that sequels of some kind are likely, to, are likely, it just wasn't what we thought it was going to be, and more on that next week when we talk about how that film came to be. Um, if you're feeling charitable or at least accepting, well, they're going to do sequels, so how do I feel about it? Well, they're better films, but I probably felt the same as I did about Creed 2 coming along. now this film is rubbish compared to Creed but it was like leave it here please leave it here 
but okay if you're gonna do a sequel please be good and i felt like that about this i was like i don't really think there's gonna should be a sequel to this but there's enough here that with proper writing and proper ideas and he's now viraled out so you don't, you don't have to use the chem plot in the future you might be able to do something with him but in my heart of hearts i knew they'd stretched it to its limit at this point and that's it from me um, but no, I'm just literally just going to repeat what I said at the top of the film. Um, really great performances, excellent cinematography. It looks for the whole in the whole this series, apart from like maybe the first two films. This is probably the best looking film, definitely. Um, but for me, it is very much born light. Um, I kind of feel like the the whole sort of chems, drugs, and everything is just a massive MacGuffin. Um, and yeah, it's it's kind of more you know something you would find you know in a kind of sci-fi thriller, definitely. Um, but I, you know, it's one of those ones where you kind of you have to follow it, kind of what's going on. And the cast are massively underused. Um, dialogue can be quite dry uh, takes forever to get going really um, but you know the cast are really solid it, it, you know, it looks really good um, but for me I just kind of feel like it was just pretty much Bond like really um, and it's like you know Bond without Bond basically if they cast I don't know Double Nine or something like that but still say it's a, it's a Bond film it's just like no really um, Ed Norton fantastic but wasted in this film you know why have somebody like Stacey Keach um, he's just you know a legendary figure, um, and even you know just get, literally getting the previous cast members back again in in what was glorified cameo roles really. Um, for me, this is like the absolute worst in the series. Um, and yeah, I, I literally waited all these years, um, and you know I've literally missed it at the cinema and haven't clearly haven't bothered to um, to catch up with it since. Um, and I kind of feel like I, I, I see your point today about they've kind of become a real missing. Um, I, the way I've seen this is I recorded it off the TV. Um, I think it was on ITV3 or one of those channels high up, and obviously they took a break for the news in the middle. Um, so I kind of thought, oh, was there a chunk missing? Did I perhaps watch it wrong? Um, but I've, I've since sourced it um, a, a, another way. Um, and <laughs> then they'd be back after the weather. Yeah, they were. They were. <laughs> 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 they were, but they weren't. Um, but, but that's but no, what they I, felt I the cinema. And, you know, it turns out the chunk was real. No, so no, this no, part of the world, I just thought we'd be going over to see who's done some shoplifting and how Plymouth Argyle got on, and then we'd be back <laughs> at the end. <laughs> and meanwhile, in local news, you know, over to obviously BBC South Today, yeah. um, or you know the ITV um, Fred Dinage news. Um, but yeah, no, it's just my heart really wasn't in it. Um, I tried watching it again, and I kind of thought, oh, maybe I'll, you know, it's been quite hot here, and you know, certainly in the UK, it's past few weeks. Um, sort of difficult couple of days at work, and I kind of thought, well, I'm perhaps I'm just not in the right headspace. I uh, watched it again, I had the same reaction. Um, so, listeners, this is my call out to you. Uh, I know you've had a few comments from a few people, Ken, you must be one of them. Um, if, if you really enjoyed this film, um, you're a big fan of the Bond series, and or, or perhaps this is where you joined this Well, series. you're a big something if you love this film. <laughs> I'm trying to be serious, and you're being rude, Dave, I disapprove. Um, <laughs> But yeah, no, if, you know, if you if you enjoyed this, and obviously we, you know, we had a decent time with it as well, but perhaps the failings of it were more than some of its parts. Um, but yeah, listeners, do get in touch with us, um, tweet us, Facebook us, email us if you really want to, just let us know. Um, yeah, let, let us know what you thought. Um, we're joking. It'd be, we it'd be really good to know, like know your thoughts. Just get in touch with us. And let us know, see how you, how you got on. Um, but yeah, literally just for me. Um, Amazing cast, looks brilliant, but very boring. So this is the born boring, I'm afraid. I just assumed I wasn't boring in the mood. legacy. Because in a cinema, I, I I was never really bored, even though I could see the film's shortcomings. But yeah, I was bored this time. I must say. Yes, yeah, is it? Like, because like yeah, last week I dubbed it like the born evasion. This is like the boring legacy. This was as, this was as exciting as tax evasion. <laughs> yeah, born tax evasion. Can you imagine. Anyway, Chris, you carry on. 
the born tax. Um, yeah, the born tax. Boring tax. I like it. Before Chris goes on, though, anyway. he did say one thing there. I do like the idea of all local news stations having to have daily Fred Dynage news. <laughs> <laughs> well, he hosted um, Meridian for decades and decades and decades, um, and then he retired like last year or the year before or something. You made it sound like it wasn't him presenting. It was a section of daily Fred Dynage news. How is he doing? And then, top, then topless weather, you know. Uh, well, perhaps not from Fred Dynage, but no, it's just yeah. He he presents ways. Well, obviously, he's been on our on our screens and in our ears for eons and eons. Um, yeah, and he, he hosted local news like for forever and ever. Our men, it seemed. Um, it was obviously a big part of kids' TV with how and various other factual programs and documentaries and stuff like that. And then yeah, I think he retired in the last few years. I can't remember if it was over lockdown or last year. Maybe even this year. I can't remember. But he finally retired. And um, yeah, so that's the, that's kind of why. Just certainly in our region, the Meridian region. Um, he was a bit yeah. of a staple of I staple only know from how. So. How to. Yeah, I yeah, I kind of know from how as well. Um, how how to. Um, which they probably couldn't do now. They'd have to call it something else. <laughs> but yeah, that's yeah, that's why. Anyway, so let's hope we don't kill them off. They won't, have, they won't have a clue what we mean. The reason you couldn't call a show How To is they did raise their hand and go, how, at the end of every episode. It, it was all about how the world worked, literally. Like, how does this work? What does this do? What does that do? Um, Showed you where the was, clitoris was, like... was, that sort of thing. <laughs> Showed you how a piston engine works, you know. Yeah, you about technology and everything. So it's a kids' factory entertainment programme. Yeah, Kevin Waterman, Gareth Top, oh my God, and a whole bunch of other people as well. So... But yeah, they they have to introduce it a different way that isn't that's a bit more racially, sen- you know, culturally sensitive. Yeah, absolutely, Chris. Yes. We offend all yours. Yes, because all the you know um, indigenous uh, uh, Americans who live in England. Uh, <laughs> I know, but it's still quite. We don't want to. You know, we don't want to offend our Native American population, no, Chris. They live in this country. <laughs> But you know what I mean, though. It's it's not you know. It's, it's, probably, it's probably one of those programs that is not going to be you know. It's not going to be. They're not going to be watching it across the pond. Like, I hope. I, I imagine somewhere, somewhere there, there there's like there's a there's a proper like you know like native native American Indian with like the full headgear and everything. Just just they're just in bur- sat there burger. <laughs> Mr. Gutierrez, sat in Bob. He's probably sat in Cornwall, going. I thought he was one. I thought I was one of theirs. <laughs> yeah, well, but, 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 but of course, if you listen there with the Queen and Samuel Jackson and mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I call it. Uh, but to uh, paraphrase Father Ted, course, the Native course, Americans, a great bunch of lads. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. This is it. This is it. Uh, you know what I mean? I have to do it in a less offensive way, even though it's not going to offend anybody in this country. Why is it every week we talk about? I'm saying some random shit when it occurs to me to say, Chris, what do you think of the born whatever? <laughs> <it's gone. laughs> um, what else is there to say? Um, yeah, I'm kind of a bit torn. Part like part of me kind of wants to be nice because I, I I see the talent, I can see the effort. I just wish there was a better film in there, and I feel the the film is just. It, it 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 it's it's just complete a you know a it, it's the bullshit from start to finish it's from, from from inception like what are you trying to do like you know you're just gonna sort of stitch in scenes from a past film and, and make it all connect but the real reason why is because they wanted to sort of you know, stretch their chances out to see if like if uh, Dave will come back 
so they want to sort of don't all worry we've, we've not well written off Jason Bourne he's still part of this universe he's still going he's still going yeah he, yeah. I mean I even heard at times like he'll like come in and with Aaron Cross in a, in a kind of joint film kind of thing and it's like okay but again it's it, it's it's it, it just comes across as so desperate and it's just why you didn't need to be this desperate if you're gonna go with the Aaron Cross character go with the Aaron Cross character don't try and tie everything in with fucking Bourne. No, you, we, we you, haven't had a cross spin-off you, film, have we? So. You undermine both Aaron Cross and Jason Bourne by doing that, and it's just such a yeah. Because you're bad saying idea. you're saying this new sub franchise can't stand on its own two feet, but at the same time you're saying here's a super duper agent. Forget that Jason Bourne. But not, but not only, not only that, you're like you, you, you're creating like a subpar film and tying it in with. Uh, a franchise that's been that's been fairly successful and popular, and you're basically sort of just demeaning the the, the past franchise. It's just like why just leave it and just just create a new character and, and start from there. I I think there's a reason you're not giving this film credit. Well, because there wasn't enough fruit in the. There is that. But fruit's all you know about this film, Chris, really. Because we came on line tonight and you're a like... A lot of oranges. We came on tonight and he's like, I'm mentioning that fucking fruit, it's box office, right? <laughs> uh, but then you, but then you say, what else do you know? And he's like, I don't know. And I'm like, well, tough shit, we got to record. So, Chris, do you think you might give, be open to learning more about this? Yeah, well, seeing as I don't really know too much, I could do with some knowledge. Okay. Becca? Hit us, not not literally. We don't deserve that. No, I'd have to reach down the phone. Yes, I for a very boring film. I did struggle to get some fun facts. Um, other actors considered for the role of Aaron Cross include names I can't pronounce: um, Jake Gyllenhaal, Michael Fassbender, Joe Edgerton, and Oscar Isaac, who obviously ended up being cast as outcome number three. Um, meanwhile, um, other actors or actors, sorry. Um, considered for the role of Marta include Jennifer Lawrence. She would have been amazing. None um, of those don't... actors are anything like each other. No, Doesn't that right. tell you something? No, yeah, they're completely different. Completely different. Right. So you know, so versatile, so um, so diverse. Um, yeah. So for Marta, um, other actors considered Jennifer Lawrence, Diane Kruger, Michelle Monaghan, who's obviously popped Jessica, up in Jessica, before. Jessica Tandy and Kate Blanchett. Jessica Tandy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, many more besides, but I couldn't fit them all on. Um, my small little screen here. Um, so at two hours, 15 minutes, it's the longest of the Bond films, and it's also the most expensive of the series, costing $125 million. Um, Ultimatum cost $110 million, Supremacy $75 million, and Identity just $60 million. And that's only my four fun facts, because it's so boring, I fell off my chair. And I think we're going to call it there with a below-average sort of length of show here, but, I mean, we've, we've that's all we've really got to say about it, folks. I did tell you at the top it was going to be a short show. It's so, not yeah. actually. It's not out of line with the sort. <laughs> it's at the shorter end of what we do, but it's not like we've. It's not just like a pamphlet. No, we tend to find that you know if it's if it's a long film like when we do come to Lord of the Rings. Oh my gosh, I think we're going to have to chop those in thirds because um, oh, they are so meaty. It, or you know if it's if it's not a very good film, then we don't have a lot to say. But if it's a really good film, there's a lot to say. Here's a, here's a fun fact: Jeremy Renner doesn't say a single word until 15 minutes into the film. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I was joking. I said, I, I think he went on a mountaineering holiday just before he turned up to filming. He thought, <laughs> he thought it's a nice active holiday. I'll keep myself fit. And they just filmed it surreptitiously and said, we'll throw that in for the first half we'll hour. Put it in. 
And then they sort of approached him near the end of his holiday and said, we're just going to film a scene here with Oscar Isaac. That's all right. Uh, as for social media, you can find me at the Pasty Kid nineteen seventy six on Twitter. Well, you can find all the all the old episodes on cinematographs.co.uk, uh, as well as Podbean. It's all on Podbean, so go and check it out. Podbeans, that sounds like something I'd quite like to eat. Um, yes. <laughs> we'd, we'd be eating pod steak though, because we're not we're not vegetarians. I will. I'll have the beans. You guys have the steak. Okay. And then we'll have bourbons for dessert. Yay! I'll be drinking our, our crazy cocktail. Yeah. We'll have to come up with like a we'll have to come up with like a summer cocktail. We'll have to come up with yeah. We'll, we'll have to have a have to, to be fair. I'd settle for coming up with one that doesn't have a fucking egg white white and sardine no, cheese. No, that's in pretty it. gross. But yes, yeah, so you can find us on Facebook. Do expect to talk. Twitter at expect to talk. YouTube is the same. Apple Podcasts, uh, Stitcher, Podbean, Podbay, um, over at Chris's website. But wherever you are. Please kindly leave us a review and a rating. It helps us to rank higher and attract more listeners and helps us to grow a lot more as well. Um, and if, if there's a series that you'd like us to, to cover, please drop us a line, let us know what you want to hear us about. Um, we may even consider it, add it onto our schedule that we've got coming up. We've added um, a couple that people have suggested. We have. We have. Yeah. They're not yeah, necessarily so. imminent in that the next sort of three or four we've got in our head probably are the next three or four but like no i mean just the list that... i have is probably like one two three four five six uh, at least ten items long <clears throat> still in, in no particular yeah. order yeah. um well we're, we're a couple of we're i say we're gonna have to discuss this offline but we don't know if after the next film we're going to do a bond commentary a bond book or something or straight on or what but uh we'll talk about that offline but certainly we're only two or three weeks from putting Clint eastwood's life in danger Oh, I'm not a bit scared about that. But yes, also, listeners, don't forget that we are at some point. Do we feel lucky? Do we feel lucky? Well, do you, punk? Um, but that's all the westerns, so I'm looking forward to that. But yes, at some point, we'll let you know when we are starting our review of the Ian Fleming Bond books. So, you know, now's the time. If you don't have them, pick them all up. Um, get them from your lending library. Get them as ebook, however you wish to read them. Audiobooks, even. Can yeah, I recommend audiobook, those? Yeah. Yeah, those those are really good as well, read by some really fantastic actors and actresses. Um, but yeah, if you haven't um, if you haven't read the Fleming Bond books, now is the time. Um, read those in prep, and we'll let you know when we start to review them. So that was a really that was a really bad hashed plug right there. But I thought, oh, I'll knock it out now. I mean, I, I I think this is almost put. It's been an alright show, but I think it's almost put us on a bit of a downer because we do have another film to go. Um, this was this is probably the low point in the Bourne franchise. Having said that, we've got one to go, which I saw once on its release, so I can't comment. Same here as well. <laughs> I, I and Chris and I talked about it. If you go, like I said last week, if you go back to summer re- review twenty sixteen Cinematronics podcast, it's yeah, there. Yeah, we all know, won't it? But. It's probably five, ten minutes of conversation because we were going through a lot of films in those years. But I don't remember us being wildly positive about it. But as always, I'll watch it with an open mind. Certainly the film we've covered tonight is worse than I thought remembered it being. So hopefully that one will be better. Which means, Becca? Do you expect to talk about return with our review of Jason Bourne?